0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is that very, very important aspect of planning for a secure, comfortable future. It's the area of financial planning and in today's environment of Social Security, uh, Retirement-oriented financial planning, very specified uh, retirement planning, Medicare, uh, the major life events that all financial planners uh, help you factor in, uh, taxation, the stock market, uh, and a host of other factors. Uh, Financial planning has become really a lot more complex than ever, uh, quite literally, but for folks who are seeking long-term financial um, stability uh, through a strategy and a game plan, uh, the key is to work with knowledgeable financial advisors, which makes all the difference in the world. And for the uh, sake of uh, the business hour, I have always um, wanted to include, uh, at least a couple times a year, some experts in the field, and so I'm very pleased to have us um, to have with us today uh, to talk about short term and, and long term uh, financial planning, uh, Claire and Ed Stefan of the Active Financial Group. And we'll be talking about um, what some of the considerations are when you're creating a highly customized financial plan uh, that ensures that comfortable future. Um, before we launch into um, the insights that Ed and Claire will be sharing with us on, on financial planning, for the record, we have to do a little bit of housekeeping and I have to say that the Active Financial Group is solely responsible for the content related to financial strategy and that the securities that are offered uh, are offered through JW Cole Financial, a member FINRA SIPC with investment advice offered through JW Cole Advisors, the Active Financial Group, uh, J.W. Co. Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are affiliated entities. I also want to uh, say that the opinions expressed by Ed Stefan, a certified financial planner, should not be construed as specific investment, legal, or tax advice. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. And investing may involve the risk of the loss of principle, uh, which has always been true. Uh, Any tax advice on the show is not intended to be used by any person for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal or state tax penalties that may be imposed on such person, and each listener should seek advice from their tax advisor or legal counsel on topics that arise from the show. Uh, Lastly, Ed is not providing legal or tax advice, um, and should not be construed as soliciting of an offer to buy securities. So, with that housekeeping out of the way, welcome Claire and Ed to the Business Hour.
2: Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here. Great to be back again.
3: Thank you very much. We certainly appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and your audience.
1: Well, um, you're here because I I consider you to be uh, experts in this field, and uh, a lot of people uh, have... Uh, encountered uh, been approached by heard the promotions for uh, various uh, financial planning organizations uh, investment groups and um, i think that um, the approach that the two of you take uh, I- I- exemplifies what i consider to be very sound uh, principles of uh, financial planning and uh, you you care about your clients and 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 uh, i think that listeners will hear that You recently joined the Active Financial Group uh, as partners after many years with another firm. Uh, Let's talk about how you determined that being a part of the Active Financial Group um, was a good fit for you.
3: Okay. Um, As you know, I spent many years at another well-known large firm, and the company in every office in a major city like Atlanta has a managing principal, and the job of that person is to grow the office by recruiting planners. And our managing principal was out doing his networking, and he ran into another couple that was very similar to Claire and I, demographically, their approach to financial planning, and how they were managing the practice. And our managing principal thought, hmm, if I introduce this couple to Ed and Claire, they could help recruit them to my old firm. Well, to make a very long story shorter, it backfired because we really hit it off with that other couple, and we ended up taking a look at J.W. Cole and as they were looking at our firm, and after quite a bit of deliberation and due diligence, we decided that for Claire and I to join them, J.W. Cole was a better fit for the four of us, and it, it took us nine months from start to finish to make that decision.
1: Well, it's not the kind of decision you can um, make overnight. You you know, it's it's, uh, a lot like a lot of uh, important personal and business relationships where you really want to get to know the folks that uh, you're teaming up with uh, and uh, partnering with, literally. Um, uh, Tell us a little bit more clear about, you know, how that worked out because I I think there, there are a lot of listeners out there that are always fascinated about um, a career change um, when you leave um, one uh, uh, established firm and you go with another very trusted, uh, smaller, what I consider to be high-end boutique. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about what went into that decision. Yeah.
2: Well, like any relationship, I think it's it, you have to have a, a, a have the same culture and the same values. And when we first met this couple back a couple of years ago, we instantly hit it off with them. They, we went to a, a group lunch and within moments we realized that I had grown up very close to them in New Jersey. So we were, you know, former neighbors at one point. And after a few minutes of conversation, we also found out that they owned a couple of properties in Cabo as we did. So we had that great uh, connection right off the bat. And then, after months of talking to them and getting to know them, we knew what good, honest people they were. And that was so important to us. And they also had the same philosophy on how you treat your clients and that the client comes first. And that was also very important. So it's almost like a marriage. It's a huge step to take to partner s- with someone. And a year into it, we couldn't be more pleased. And it's worked out very well.
1: It, it really is like a marriage. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was going to make that reference. Um, yeah. And. Uh, I, you know I, I characterize it as like other personal relationships and business relationships and in some sense it's a merger of of those two um, and in fact um, you and ed being uh married and working as partners uh as as well as john and sue uh that's a unique scenario to uh, married couples working together as four partners uh and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later and and uh we'll see if um um, the uh, Ed and Claire uh, partnership uh, is working out as well as it, as it <laughs> seems, and uh, and and yet let's let's turn back to um, the financial planning philosophy that you alluded to. Um, how would you characterize that philosophy, Ed?
3: Well, we are holistic, client-centric financial planners. Listening to the client, understanding their objectives, is the most important thing we do, and. Uh, we are very careful that. We let them talk. We ask open-ended questions. And it's at the end of the day, it's all about where they're trying to get to and can we help them get there.
1: Um, have, have you found that because you are now a uh, smaller firm um, that you're able to be a little more nimble, maybe a little more responsive um, in working with your clients?
3: We like to think we're a lot more responsive, and that's one of the bedrocks of our business. And uh, We have gotten quite a few clients because they were unhappy with the communication with their previous advisors. Mm-hmm. And we try to change that and really give them a, an experience mm-hmm. where they feel special. Yeah.
2: We've also been able to bring in some of the clients I had worked with in the past. I had a 30-year career in publishing. And when we uh, I joined Ed's business about five years ago, he said, Claire, you know so many people. He said, you'll be able to bring in tons of people. And I said, well, the relationship that you have as someone who's advising someone on their marketing strategy and their advertising strategy for their business is very important but not nearly as personal as doing people's finances. But I was pl- very pleased and honored that over the years we've been able to bring in some of my former clients who I worked with in the uh, corporate world as well as uh, several of my former colleagues and it continues to this day that now that we've been in this for so long we have a lot of credibility and we're getting new clients. Former, fr- you know, friends of li- of a lifetime are coming over with us. Well,
1: you know, um, a lot of relationships um, uh, that exist between uh, professional uh, consultants and, and their clients uh, are, are are built around trust, and um, that's that's true for a lot of businesses. It's not just the uh, financial planning, accounting, legal, uh, medical uh or the advertising industry but in particular marketing and advertising where you're working with the image of a company which people um uh, embrace as an extension of their own personal image is one of those areas that people are careful uh, about to whom they entrust um the uh the advisory role and that's even more true when it comes to financial planning is that people really feel like um they 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 want to really be able to trust uh, you with their money and with the advice that you give them about uh, about financial planning, about having a game plan. Um, let's turn to some key aspects of, of, of today's financial planning, uh, w- and let's talk about uh, what listeners might take into consideration when they're working on both a short-term as well as a long-term financial game plan and um uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um significant changes in the social security uh claiming strategy um this is definitely one of those areas where as financial planners uh you're able to keep up with uh, information that the, the general population just uh can find uh confusing uh and um because You uh, keep your head in that game, so to speak. You know, keep up with what uh, Social Security claiming uh, strategies are. Um, You can advise people, and there's particularly uh, one area uh, that's referred to as file, file and suspend. Ed, tell us um, a little bit about that.
3: Well, you make a good point there, Ron. And one of the things that differentiates us from other financial planners, uh, we see a lot of financial planning firms are really focused just on investments. And we're taking a look at the whole retirement picture, what are the sources of income. And Social Security, while really not enough income for, for most people to live on, is a key part. And I was checking out the news one night in December, and I came across an article about the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015. And I noticed immediately that they took a technique called file and suspend off the table. It's gone. Uh, The government considered it an unintended loophole, and it allowed couples, and actually Claire and I fit into that category, in certain situations to use the rules to take uh, some benefits out of the system that I don't think the designers of the program really intended. In, In brief, and we don't want to spend too much time on it because it's no longer available, File and suspend allowed a spouse at full retirement age to file for but not take their benefit. And by filing, it allowed their spouse to do what's called filing and restricting. They would file for Social Security but restrict their benefit to the spousal benefit. So in both cases, then, you had spouses allowing their benefit to grow at 8% per year, which is is still the case in Social Security guaranteed by the U.S. government until age 70 when you have to start taking Social Security. 8% per year for four years is uh, a very good benefit and uh, you can still do that but the file and suspend is gone and file and restrict is gone for people that did not turn 62 by the end of last year.
1: Um, th- that's uh, uh, an interesting perspective on, on that one aspect of uh, the Social Security uh, part of the puzzle. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more uh, about uh, a variety of specific areas of financial planning, including Medicare Part B. We're here with Ed and Claire Stefan. We'll be back with Ed and Claire right after this break.
4: It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie.
0: This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and
1: spirit did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on itunes you can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like
0: affordable health insurance was the promise of obamacare but for many the government mandate caused more problems than it solved
1: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We've been talking with uh, Ed and Claire Stefan uh, about various aspects of um, smart uh, financial planning, and um, we're 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 going to talk about Medicare Part B. Uh, Medicare, in and of itself, is uh, actually quite confusing to a lot of people. Um, it's another one of those pieces of the puzzle. But um, Ed, what are some of the, uh, or, or rather, Claire, you, you might want to address this. What are some of the considerations that that those approaching yeah. or who are currently uh, qualified should be aware of?
2: Yeah. Well, as you're you're right, Ron. Medicare is a very very complex. Uh, benefit that uh, people are eligible at age 65, and it had mentioned we are holistic planners and this is another service that we offer that a lot of planners don't even understand Medicare themselves, but we actually give seminars uh, throughout the community to help people understand how to file for Medicare, what uh, benefits Medicare offers, what doesn't it cover. Uh, also helping to educate the public on the importance of understanding the cost of health care and retirement. And there are several surveys out there that approximate how much uh, people will spend on health care. And there's one survey that I like to quote that says "a the average 65-year-old couple will spend $270,000 on health care for the balance of their life. And that's just... Uh, average. There are people, if you have catastrophic illnesses, it could go up much more. So that's kind of a shocking number to many people. The other thing that we like to stress is some people think Medicare is free, and that is far from the truth. Uh, You have to pay premiums, co-pays, and deductibles with Medicare. So we try to communicate that. And then the other thing that is so important is you have to know when to file for Medicare, because if you don't, you will pay penalties for the rest of your life, and for most people, it's 65. So what we do is we go through our database every month and look out to see what clients will be turning 60, 65 in the next three months. And then we contact them because that's the ideal time to file for Medicare is three months before your 65th birthday. Now, the only exception would be is that if you are covered by a group health plan that ensures more than 20 people, so, if you or your spouse are working for a large company and you have company benefits and you're continuing to work past 65, you do not have to file for Medicare at that time because you are covered by a large group plan. And then there are some different rules of when you, you know, transfer. But, but that's the only thing to to know is how, if you don't file in a timely manner, you will pay those penalties, um, and you pay th- pay them for the. For the rest of your life, so so that's something that people have to understand. And then there are also enrollment periods, and you may be you know have to wait months before you can even enroll if you miss your ideal filing time.
1: Um, uh, have you found, um, and either of you can answer this question, that uh, you see a. Uh, uh, A growing number of folks, Uh, I think a lot of people are coming to the realization, even if they don't know that there could be significant uh, expenses down the road, like $270,000 spent um, uh, on health care after age 65, have you found uh, that there are more people are uh, holding off on on retiring? Have you begun to see that?
3: Certainly, We have seen that. Uh, people can, simply can't afford to retire um, given the increasing cost of health care. And that's one of the true challenges in retirement is how fast health care costs are escalating. And we have seen lots of our clients who intended to retire uh, or intended they wanted to retire or they wanted to work, and sometimes they're not able to do it. You know, we've had several instances where clients said, I need to keep working, and they reached a point where the company they were hired that were working for didn't want them anymore. They could get hire younger people in one case, there was an acquisition, and they just said, "Hey, you've been here a long time, but we've got other people that can do this job and that really is a struggle for some of our clients, and that's when we try to help them navigate those difficult times mm-hmm.
1: you know it's it's a topic for a, for a different program, but i uh, I suspect there there have to be some human resources groups out there that are beginning to uh, focus on uh, aging baby boomers uh, and helping them uh, find jobs. Maybe specializing mm-hmm. in folks that are mm-hmm. over sixty five, because there are still some very highly productive um, uh, sixty five year olds and and older uh, folks out there, uh, and especially this uh, this this reference to um, healthcare that could could. Be as much as a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, that's a big chunk uh, out of peop- out of people's um, nest egg, if you will, out of any portfolio. And for some people, um, that's uh, virtually catastrophic. Yeah. Um, um, let's um, <coughs> let's um, talk a little bit about uh <coughs> the major downturn in the economy and, and uh, uh, the fact that many. A- uh, investors were uh, adversely uh, affected. <clears throat> what are some of the uh, essential uh, elements of of staying sane, uh, if you will, Ed, in a marketplace that's become less than stable? Um, I would imagine that having a game plan in place really can make a very big difference in in helping people. Uh, to avoid uh, what invariably must be emotional uh, decisions. And I would imagine that um, much of what you do is to leverage the trust that the clients uh, have in you to get them to uh, refrain from making those uh, emotional decisions. Uh, is that the case, Ed?
3: It, it sure it is. And we, as you point out, we've had um, some troubling times in the economy, particularly going back to 2008, 2009, which is the most recent one, but even very recently, in the past few months, we've seen the market uh, very volatile, uh, lots of uh, ups and downs, a lot more downs than we'd like to see, and that makes our clients nervous, and understandably so. uh, People approaching retirement, it's tough for them to see the, the market go down 100, 200, 300 points a day. So one of our jobs, and one of our key jobs, is to really understand the risk tolerance and the time frames of our clients, and to reach out to them in these hard times. and And those things change as clients grow older or grow closer to retirement. Uh, their their risk tolerance change. Their obviously their time frame has changed, and we have to help them. We hold their hands through those difficult times. And we, what we try to do, and it's only human nature, is people see the market going down, they want to get out. And that's really the, about the worst thing you could do. And uh, there are uh, well-documented studies that show that even though the market has averaged 9 or 10% return for just about ever over the years, that the average investor who is doing it themselves makes less than 3%. Because what happens is they see the market going down and down, and they can't take it anymore, and they get out of the market. And then inevitably, and we've just seen it in the past two weeks, the market comes back, and they watch it go up, and they get back in. And what have they done? They've sold low, and they bought high. And we try to help our clients not do that, even though it's classic human behavior.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, uh, Buying low, selling high is um, a smart strategy. But there's timing um, uh, that that should be involved, and there's discipline that should be involved, and there's awareness of um, uh, short-term and long-term market trends, and and that's where having a good financial uh, planner uh, comes in. A- and uh, in addition to that, I-, I would imagine that diversification is is probably a still uh, very important factor. Is that right?
3: It certainly is. It's it's critical, and it's another main thing that we do is help our clients. Diversify, And here in Atlanta, we see plenty of folks who have worked for one of the large companies like Coca-Cola or Home Depot or Scientific Atlanta, now owned by Cisco, that have large portfolios of one stock. And that could be very risky because we have seen over the years, even great companies with great stocks, some bad news can happen or the market goes down and they lose more than they should because of concentrated positions. So diversification is one of the things we're always trying to achieve with client portfolios. And asset allocation and diversification is the foundation of modern portfolio theory. This is an approach to investing that was developed in the 1950s by a guy named Harry Markowitz. And he actually won a Nobel Prize in economics. And what it showed was simply that having a mix of different types of assets in a portfolio will generate better returns with less risk, and it's still a foundation of investing. But nothing works all the time in every market condition. And uh, the big downturn we had in 08 and 09, every asset class suffered. And typically, real estate is, doesn't suffer as much, but we saw the residential home market uh, market collapse, and everything, commodities, stocks, bonds, cash, everything suffered. And there was, there was no place to run. And luckily, uh, the market made a very nice comeback from that. But we've all learned a lesson there and that we still are focusing on diversification.
1: Yeah, there are probably enough stories out there of people uh, not unlike uh, uh, my very own brother, who after 43 years with uh, United Partial Service, was lucky enough to be working for a company where he could put a great deal of money into their um, plan, and uh, and have it work out quite favorably uh, since retirement uh, and even before he's become uh, more diversified. But but it was the exception to the rule. It's almost as if he won the lottery. Um, and uh, and people have to realize that uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, even if they are your employee employer and uh, and uh, they seem to be doing well. Um, that's really not uh, the best strategy for uh, I th- the vast majority of folks. Um, we're going to be taking a break here. When we come back, we'll uh, talk uh, uh, a little bit more about uh, uh, well, specifically, It's something that you call uh, Know What You Own and and Why You Own It. We'll talk about that uh, right after the break. We're here with Ed and Claire Stefan of the Active Financial Group, and we'll be back with Ed and Claire right after this break. This is Peter Wallace, inviting you to listen every Sunday morning to Day 1 with inspiring preachers from America's mainline churches on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Hello,
3: I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Shirts, every Thursday morning,
0: 8 to 9 a.m. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. <clears throat> and today we've been talking about an area that (coughs) has become increasingly complex uh, for uh, almost anyone who isn't in the field of finance, and even for a lot of people who are in the field of finance, bankers, directors of finance, accountants, um, oftentimes uh, turn to uh, financial advisors like Claire and Ed Stefan to help them Navigate what is an ever-changing environment, um, you know, taxation-wise, Medicare-wise, uh, just retirement planning-wise, and uh, and so uh, we've been talking about some of those specific um, strategies, and there is a uh, uh, an area we'll call it uh, uh, that, and maybe it's a philosophy. Uh, that um, certainly uh, I believe you subscribe to, Ed, and that is know what you own and why you own it. Um, tell us um, why you should know what you own and, and why you own it.
3: Well, uh, Claire and I learned the hard way, and this was long before uh, we became financial professionals, that a great product or even a great company does not always translate into great stock performance. And so we've made some investments, and again, we have gone through the school of hard knocks. And that's one of the reasons, actually, I became a financial professional, because some of the experiences and mistakes I made earlier on in my career. But we do spend a lot of time with our clients making sure they understand what we are recommending and how various products work, because even though we take a holistic approach... To planning, and we include the Social Security and Medicare and other things that aren't necessarily investment-related, at the end of the day, there are products in specific securities that have to be part of an underlying plan. And we do recommend annuities for certain retirement plans, but they're complicated, and they have costs involved. And we are very careful to make sure our clients understand how they work. The same goes for alternative investments like real estate investment trusts or commodities and futures, which we really don't deal too much in, but some of our clients like to be in that arena. And we are now seeing lots of clients who want to be socially responsible investors, which typically means they want to avoid alcohol, tobacco stocks, uh, firearm companies. And uh, so we we can exclude those types of stocks from our portfolio. And uh, we just signed on a new client who f- fell into that category. And we took a tobacco company out of uh, one of our portfolios. It was actually an excellent company with great price and dividend performance. And, uh, but she didn't want to be in that stock, so we took it out and replaced it with something acceptable to her. And interestingly enough, her husband didn't really care. He, he's in there saying, if it's a performer and it's helping us achieve our objectives, I don't care what business they're in. So and again, that's part of our job
1: to yeah. understand the client. Well, and and um, a lot of people um, uh, think that uh, I- if you're at one end of the political spectrum or the other, that you might have a certain like-mindedness when it comes to uh, uh, s- socially responsible investing. But that's not true. I mean, it just sometimes um, <clears throat> uh, you will find people who, um, for example, don't want to be supportive of the tobacco industry. On either side of the aisle, and uh, you will find people who don't want to be supportive of of alcohol. I I, I suspect that uh, there may be people uh, moving forward who don't want to be supportive of sugar, or you know, you know, know, sort of the uh, anti-obesity portfolio. And and that's that's me. Uh, You know, I'm not the financial planner. That's off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, but I could imagine that people um, uh, will have. Uh, 'll we'll begin to understand that they can uh, in essence put their money where their mouth is or a- a- as you put it, they'll know what they own and and they'll know why they own it and they'll want to know in advance um, sure. why they own it. The um, sugar
2: thing may be a whole new <laughs> c- category we hadn't heard about before. You may have well, started n- a new revolution. I could
1: imagine. Oh, you yeah. know, uh,
3: That's a great point. Uh, there's a company that is in the forefront of genetically engineered foods, and some people just don't want any part of that. We also have clients that hate a certain huge retailer that's been a great stock for many years. So, again, knowing the customer is very important.
1: And, you know, that goes back to um, listening to your client and uh, understanding um, um, what their desires are. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, I want to just uh, ask you, Ed, um, when it comes to the return on, on any given portfolio of div- uh, diverse investments, uh, it, it, it's, it really is relevant. I mean, relative, uh, isn't
3: it? That's a great question because it, it definitely is. And, again, we go back to our task of understanding client objectives, risk tolerance, and time frames, and we can analyze any given security on its historical performance and determine its level of return and its level of risk. And we, can, we also have sophisticated modeling software where we could look at how a portfolio has performed over time, and certainly that's no guarantee of how it's going to do in the future. But we can assign a risk characteristic to a portfolio. And if we look at a client who's got an objective and has enough assets to achieve that objective, taking, say, 6% of risk in the portfolio, why would we put them in a portfolio that has 8 or 10% risk? We would save those for people that need to be a little more aggressive to meet their objectives. And uh, going back to relativity, uh, we have a client who is a big golfer, and he's exposed to a lot of locker room talk. And periodically get calls from him about, oh, I just heard I should take my Social Security now because I'm running out of money. Or somebody made 40%. How come I'm not making 40% on investments? Um, We do find that people brag about the upside, very few people brag about a 40% loss, but uh, we sit down with the client, show them where they are, how they're going to get where they want to get to, and we don't need to be taking risks. It might result in a 40% gain, because that's hard to do, and it's uh, particularly on a consistent basis.
1: And I, I think it's an important point that you make that... Uh, um, even if someone isn't uh, bragging, let's say, that they're just sharing their good fortune with you um, about a 40% return or something really significant, um, that same person uh, does not typically – I mean, most of us uh, are typically are not sharing a, a bad investment. Uh, you know, we're not telling you about uh, the 40% loss. Um, it's, it's, it's more fun to talk about the 40% gain. And it does influence the way people think. Uh, there's a certain herd mentality. Um, when it comes to uh, investing quite often and uh I would imagine that a lot of uh um golf club locker room talk uh, has uh yielded some good uh, advice and led uh, many astray again that's me ron Camacho, uh <laughs> characterizing <laughs> what goes on um uh, in a in a country club locker room um let's 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 talk about um Uh, the historical uh, cyclical nature uh, of of financial markets. And I I would imagine (coughs) that you are constantly reminding clients that there is um, this cyclical nature and that the value of having a strategy in in place and and being patient uh, could, could serve you well.
3: Sure. And as we talked about earlier, Ron, It's a big part of our job is uh, holding the hands of our clients, calming them down in periods of volatility, and we just experience some very troublesome times. And That's easy to say, but when the market goes down 15% in a week or two and people see their retirement accounts going down, uh, that's, that's tough to take. And It's easy to say that, sure, the market has historically always gone up, but if you want to retire in a year or two or three and you're taking a big loss... We've got to be there to help them stay the course and, again, understand why they are where they are. And and we also talked about before, people's objectives change, and we have to be sensitive to that. Um, And, of course, any competent planner is going to try to take risk out of a portfolio as clients approach retirement, but you do need to keep some equity exposure simply to keep up with inflation. And inflation can... And Claire can talk a little bit about inflation. She knows some of the numbers. Inflation can be scary.
2: Sure, sure. The average inflation now is 3%, which doesn't sound like a lot. But over the course of 20 years, your your investments could lose half of their buying power. So it's everybody. You know, It used to be that once you got to a certain age, you didn't hold any equities. But now we find that you really need to have some equities to be able to keep up with inflation, or else if you're in cash – 're you're gonna you're, you're, you're losing money actually because you're not keeping up with that three percent and that's of course average but there are certain categories like health care that and and college expenses and things like that that go up way higher at three percent average rate of inflation
1: and and you know what we're talking about here is diversification working hand in hand with being patient you know mm-hmm. uh, that that um, if you're diversified, Um, it's going to help you to be stable during those uh, cyclical uh, um, uh, up and downturns. uh, And uh, if you're uh, patient, as we mentioned earlier, uh, and not as prone to uh, be reactive and make those emotional decisions, you're going to be better off in the long haul. Um, Let's talk about playing defense uh, in in the overall game plan uh, uh, and then also talk a little bit about dividends, Ed.
3: Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Ron, because we love dividends, and our clients love dividends, and we also love to play defense. In fact, our primary retirement portfolio that we can customize to different clients in different situations, we call it the defensive growth strategy. And my partner and I carefully screen stocks and some exchange-traded funds for securities that have a long record of price growth, but more importantly, an outstanding record of issuing and increasing dividends. And what we found is that people who own dividend-paying stocks tend to hold on to them, even in market downturns, and enjoy the dividends, or they might need the dividends. So they are less likely to sell them in turbulent times because of that dividend. And if they're not selling them, the price is more stable in Our defensive growth strategy actually performed quite well in the recent volatile market we had.
1: You know, amazingly, it almost becomes a uh, a mechanism for uh, exercising the patience that we were talking about and not overreacting and make a a big uh, uh, buy-sell decision. Um, We're going to be taking a break here in just a little bit, um, but um, uh, we're going to talk about the all-important area... Of savings when we come back, um, which is, uh, an important part of anyone's, uh, financial, uh, game plan. We're here with Ed and Claire Stefan. We've been talking about the basic principles along with some specific, uh, tools and philosophies for having a game plan, a financial strategy in place to, uh, um, make the, uh, the retirement years, uh, more comfortable. We'll be back with uh, Ed and Claire Stefan right after this break. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking
4: the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
2: I'm Marina News, and I would like to invite you to listen live or download my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
4: It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Funny Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie.
1: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.
4: Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Claire and Ed Stefan. We've been talking about smart financial planning. And I say smart because I really believe there are a lot of folks out there who uh, are not necessarily um, taking the smartest approach to creating a financial game plan um, because they're not doing um, the things we're talking about. They're not diversifying um, they're not uh, exhibiting patience. Uh, they're not uh, acknowledging the cyclical nature of, of, of financial markets. Uh, they're they're making emotional decisions. And a, and a good, smart um, financial planner will help you to avoid making uh, some of those mistakes. Um, and an one area of the larger portfolio that is, is, is still very important uh, is the area of savings. Um it's 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 an area where uh, adding regularly to an account for long long term growth could 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 be a good cushion for for most of us. Uh, would you say, Ed?
3: Yes, and I'd like to have Claire talk a little bit yeah. about that because she's a terrific saver, and it's really put her in a nice position. Yeah,
2: yeah. You no, know, I mean saving is so important, and there's. The, uh, the most important thing is to start as early as you possibly can because most people don't understand the power of compounding. And then there, there's a uh, – the, if, if you start saving when you're 20 and if you put $3,000 a year every year between 20 and 30 and never put another dime away after that, you would have more money when you get to be 65 than someone who put that same $3,000 away starting at 30 up until 65. And so it's important. We we do focus on baby boomers primarily, but we also like to get our message to the young people whenever possible. And we were speaking at a chamber event uh, several years ago, and there was a young lady in the audience who uh, was happened to hear our uh, uh, you know our talk about this. And I ran into her I, a couple of months later, and I mentioned something to her uh, about it. And she's oh Claire, you've changed our my life. And she was in her twenties. She goes I save every month now, and I still run into her from time to time, and she's still saving. And I, even if you can save one person at a time, it's great. But we do encourage people to put money into their company-sponsored plans. Many, most companies have 401Ks or 403Bs. So we tell people, put that money in. It's automatically deducted. You never see it. And then that will grow over time. And as you make more money, put more and more aside. Put money into IRAs, uh but just put it aside and let it work for you. That's so important because it actually, by doing that, you're automatically doing a dollar-cost averaging by putting money every month into a savings a savings plan. And we run into so many baby boomers who haven't done that. But if you haven't started, you start today if you didn't start earlier. And we also work with some of the children of our clients who are young adults in their 20s, and we also stress that to them is to... Not to go into debt, stay debt free, live below your means, and put as much money as you possibly can into your savings. And you know, you don't think you're going to be retiring. It seems like thirty, forty years away, but as we can attest, it mm-hmm. comes quickly. So the time is now. So we try to get as to as many young people as we possibly can. To to we, we even did a uh, we teach once a year with the Junior Achievement program at the high school. We teach with high school freshmen, and we do a whole series of things on budgeting and all kinds of, but we, we just try and em- emphasize to these young people, you know, start now and, and, and save, and you'll be much better off in the long run.
1: And and some uh, uh, thrift plans are, are are better than others. Uh, some companies um, uh, are more stable than others, and, and that's something that uh, I'm certain that, that you and, and Ed can help to advise a, uh, a younger uh investor uh, about um, I I would also imagine that the sons and daughters of uh, folks that are um, existing clients um, some of whom uh, learn these lessons later in life um, the kids might understand better uh, because of the lessons learned uh, by parents that they should start sooner and uh, and, and I, I also would venture to say that I I, I think that it's uh, blind optimism on the part of some young professionals who think uh, I'm making pretty good money now. Um, I don't want to change my lifestyle. Uh, it'll all be there later on, and and th- and that blind optimism probably has been the source of uh, uh, maybe not the best financial decision making. And uh, and 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 I I I say again, that's my personal yeah. opinion, but I, I bet that that's what's uh, What's out there, uh.
2: and it can be generational too. You know, people of our age, their parents grew up in the Depression. So they, you know, our parents were good savers and taught us good saving skills, not that everybody listened, but now the younger, you know, then a subsequent generation grew up in a very prosperous era, and so they just thought money was a renewable resource and would just spend and spend and spend, and now I think some of the people see that their parents who did spend too much got in trouble with the downturn, and maybe they learned a valuable lesson about understanding that you have to put some money aside for the bad times because – they can in- inevitably something could happen, whether it's across the board or personally to your family.
1: It's true. I think a lot of people who are uh, ha- were closer in, in time, um, age, and, and the time of of uh, extreme economic downturn are a little bit more more sensitive. And mm-hmm. it seems that we have to learn those or relearn those lessons. And the uh, downturn of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, probably uh, reminded a lot of people mm-hmm. that they needed to. Uh, uh to save money um cash as a cushion uh it, 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 let's talk about um uh, cash as a cushion uh and part of the mindset about uh uh market volatility um uh, you clear the uh, the phrase cash is king um uh, let just let's talk about yeah. that for a moment
2: well, sure, cash is king, particularly for the short-term investment. So if you were having something you're saving for, you're going to need that money in a year. Or so definitely put it in cash because in a year, the market may be up or down. And we also recommend clients keep cash on hand for just everyday things, emergencies that pop up. Uh, you know, like For instance, we just had a leak in our sunroom roof, which means now roof repair and a new ceiling in the sunroom. And that's not something we were planning for, but if you have the money set aside – that's what it's there for. So you don't have to go into debt. You don't have to use credit cards or borrow money for those everyday things, you know, car accidents, medical issues, things that can pop up, you know, in a moment's notice. So have that cash set aside for those type of th- emergencies. And
1: where should it be set aside, Claire? Where do you? Where is that money? I
2: put it in a savings account. We're making, you know, a fraction of 1% interest. But it's not about the interest. It's about having that cash available. Or a credit union,
1: and a lot of people don't think about savings uh, necessarily as uh, as uh, a cash cushion, but that's you know it it, it doubles as um, uh, an investment because of compounded interest, and yet it's available uh, to act as a cushion, so it serves both those yeah. major functions. Sure. Um, now. There is uh, something we said at the onset of the program. We talked about past performance not being a guarantee of future performance, and um, that is certainly something that people forget. And, uh, Ed, um, do you suggest to clients that they occasionally look in their rearview mirror?
3: Well, we certainly do, and we have periodic reviews with every client, and that's exactly what we're doing is looking back see what, how the client accounts have performed. Are they meeting the expectation that the client has, which is most important, that, that we have to help the clients trying to get there? And uh, because objectives change over time, situations change. People get divorced. People have kids. People get inheritances. People have huge unexpected expenses. People lose their jobs. So looking back to see how we're doing is a key part of what we do.
1: Um, Ed, um, let's talk about across-the-board changes in a person's portfolio. Um, Do you uh, suggest to folks that they take it easy and and take it in gradual steps?
3: Certainly, because there's a reason why we have positioned them where they are, and if they want to make a wholesale change, the first thing we ask is why. What has changed? Has your objective changed? Are you nervous? Has your risk tolerance changed? And uh, the markets, as we've seen recently, and we even got a number of phone calls on the volatile market, and clients all of a sudden, when things are good, love where they're at, but if they see a 10 or 15% downturn, they get very uncomfortable. And uh, we have to hold their hands and uh, make them understand that we put you where you are for a reason, and if the reasons are still valid, let's stay the course. Again, as we mentioned earlier... Um, bailing out when the market is down is typically a bad strategy.
1: Um, what about um, uh, when it comes to understanding a client's hopes and fears and aspirations, uh, maybe even their f- fantasies and, and life philosophies? How do you, how do you go about uh, uh, understanding your client?
3: Well, on the fantasy side, the biggest fantasy is winning the lottery, which (laughs) is truly a fantasy. But as we said during this program, listening to the client is one of the most important things we do. And in my corporate career, I had a background in total quality management, TQM, I think is now called Sigma Six. But the underlying principles are the same, and one of the fundamental concepts of that is the voice of the customer, listening to what the customer wants. Ford wasn't listening to the customer when they manufactured the Edsel. (laughs) Ford said, this is a good car, and you're going to like it. And and that (laughs) didn't work. Um, So, And when I was in the corporate world, and Claire and I still have this practice, we try to be together when we're doing client interviews, and one of us or both of us is tasked with taking notes. And really, in the client's own words, is a very powerful tool that you can give back to them.
2: I learned that years ago in my corporate career. I would write down what the client was saying in the follow-up. They got that spoon sped right back to them without even realizing it.
1: Well, it's a great way of keeping track yeah. of what's, what's being shared with you, and it it shows, it demonstrates to the, the client that you really have been listening uh, to the extent that you can tell them uh, what it is that that you heard. Um, and and, and I, I do view the two of you as particularly good listeners. I mean, I've known you for years, and... You know, um, I, I I think you are very much uh, in tune with uh, the people around you, uh, just because you are good listeners. Um, I want to thank you both uh, for taking the time sharing uh, financial uh, uh, planning insight. Um, and also, I want to say to listeners that you can go, you can Google uh, the Active Financial Group. Just Google Active Financial Group, and that'll take you to a phone number uh, and uh, the website, and you can learn more uh, about uh, what ed and claire do uh, for their clients so again ed claire thank you so much for taking the time to be on the business hour
3: and we would like in turn to thank you for this opportunity we really really appreciate it yes and uh, i'd like to remind the listeners that we offer a complimentary consultation and if a person or people are interested in that we make three promises number one we will schedule it promptly number two we will not try to sell anybody anything and number three, if they want to meet with us again, it's their decision, not ours.
1: Well, that's uh, all very important things to take note of. We've um, been listening to Ed and Claire Stefan uh, of the Active Financial Group, and you've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio, or we're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week.
0: The United.